Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 8. We're looking at verses 4 through 15 today. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Beginning with verse 4, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell on, on to, into good ground, good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out. Actually, he cried out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard the word, received it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. And as for that that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Do not say this lightly this morning, but I say that this may very well be the most important sermon you have heard in a long, long, long time. So I really encourage you to listen. You know, backstories, backstories, backstories are so important because they give us insights that help us better understand the upfront parts of a story. And this is certainly the case in the account that we find here in Luke chapter 8. Most of the parable that we see here is pretty much straightforward, but there's a statement in verse 10 that that will throw us for a loop if we don't have the back story. So I want to make sure that we get the back story. The back story starts with this, that Jesus is a little over halfway into his preaching, teaching ministry. And at this point, some have embraced him, have embraced him, but the masses have not. And the masses are beginning to take up a position as it relates to Jesus. The first position that we find people taking as it relates to Jesus is that of rejection. Rejection. The Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, they literally at this point have already passed judgment on Jesus. They have already determined that he is not the promised Messiah. Beyond them, others like the parishioners in the synagogue back in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, they also have determined this, and they took their stand against Jesus, literally dragging him out, trying to throw him over a cliff. 
And so that is one of the positions people were beginning to take as it relates to Jesus. The second one is identified as eagerly hoping, eagerly hoping. Many of the masses had not yet actually rejected Jesus, but they also had not embraced him. Instead, they were eagerly watching, waiting, and hoping that he would turn out to be the kind of Messiah that they had been looking for. What were they looking for? Some were looking for a political deliverer. How things don't change, huh? They were looking for a conquering king who would come in and overthrow Rome and elevate Israel as the premier race and nation of the world. Others were seeking a leader who would bring prosperity and peace. Many people were looking for that, and still others were looking for a a unifying presence, someone who would be able to bring unity in the midst of chaos. But there was a problem with these things. The further down the road that we go with Jesus' ministry, the less likely it seems that he's going to meet any of these expectations. And so what we begin to see in Jesus' life and ministry are things beginning to come from a wide position and they're beginning to funnel down to a more concentrated place. This funneling included Jesus looking less and less like the Messiah that many were hoping would come. It included Jesus not showing any sign that he was going to cooperate with the established religious system. And also, Jesus' time here on earth, his ministry was growing shorter, and he began to feel the need to raise the bar, forcing the issue with his audience to decide, Messiah or imposter. At this point, Jesus crosses a line. And crossing this line, he never goes back to where he was. He adopts a method of teaching that makes the point of the teaching actually more difficult for the masses to grasp. You say, wow, that's odd. Why in the world would he do that? Well, honestly, it's not that odd if you understand the bigger picture that Luke has been painting for us. What is that bigger picture? The bigger picture is that up until this point, Jesus has been giving his message in a way that was very easy to grasp. And and he was also backing up that message with verifiable miracles that no one but God could do. However, despite this fact that he was bringing clear teaching and miraculous works, the religious establishment had not only rejected Jesus, but they were presently involved in trying to seek his demise in the masses. They really weren't responding to his kingdom message of repentance either. And by contrast, we find that only a handful of people, really, when you look at the bigger picture, uh, were hearing, believing, and following Jesus. Now, having laid it all out, having laid out the truth for people and, and seeing now that the groups are beginning to take their various positions, we find Jesus here taking his own position. Quoting from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he announces to them, in effect, that he is no longer interested in hand-holding. He is no longer interested in coddling them. That's out. Instead, from this point forward, he will only teach in parables so that those who have ears to hear will respond to him and those who do not have ears to hear will drift away. And he takes this as a very purposeful position. 
This brings me to truth point number one. Truth point number one says to us that God is long-suffering. He is patient with the spiritually lost. But repeated indifference and or rejection will bring a divine fork in the road that demands a life-altering decision. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's beginning that process. His ministry now is moving more and more to that fork in the road that demands that people decide. Messiah, imposter. Those are the only two choices. Now, as we move into the parable, we find that the parable has three major subjects. There's a sower, there is seed, and there is soil. The people he's talking to on this day are well-schooled in agriculture. So the concept of sowing seed and, and understanding that some of it would fall on ground that was unproductive and would not yield fruit, that was not something they didn't already understand. And so as Jesus uses this agricultural uh, illustration, uh, everyone that he was talking with would be able to at least track along with that thought. Perhaps as Jesus gave the parable, some were even thinking about their own experience of sowing seed and how some of it didn't do very good here and didn't do very good there, but in this other place it did really well. And they were thinking to themselves, well, you know, Jesus' story here, it's very true. I, I can really relate to that. But there's something here that I want you to see, something that is, is quite interesting. I want you to take note this morning that Jesus tells the parable to the masses, but he does not explain its meaning to the masses. The story that Jesus tells honestly could have any number of meanings. And by not defining it, he leaves the crowd to their own devices to ascertain what he is wanting to get across. Now, given that Jesus does not provide the meaning, is it not fascinating that none from the crowd, none from the masses came to him seeking understanding. Not one person from the crowd approaches Jesus to inquire. And that leaves me thinking that there are two possible reasons why they didn't do that. The first one I've labeled simply this, interested personal interpretation. Interested personal interpretation. I'm sure that as people were were leaving that gathering, there were many who were interested in decoding what Jesus meant. And they were probably very focused and perhaps even heated in debate about which interpretation would be the right one. They had an interest. But at the end of the day, they just kind of chalk it up to this. That's a nice story about sowing seeds and soil. What does it mean? Well, I think it means this. You think it means that? You know, that's okay. Maybe next Sabbath day, they'll print it in the bulletin at the synagogue and they'll tell us uh, what it actually meant. So there were those who were interested in understanding, but they weren't interested enough to go to him. They were just dealing with it amongst themselves as they walked away. We know that there were those who were there who were disinterested. They had no interest and they were in rejection. In other words, they didn't care what it meant because they weren't there to learn anything from Jesus. They were there only to find out if they could find something in his teaching, something in his lifestyle that they could use to discredit him. Two different groups of people. At the end of the day, however, neither group is really very concerned about what Jesus is saying because... Neither group takes the time nor makes the effort to find out. But there was one group 
who was truly interested, and that is his disciples. And I think that when we see the word disciples there, it's not just talking about the 12, but it's talking about those women that we, we, we encountered last week in, in the text and probably others who were not in the inner circle, but were kind of tagging along and, and floating along with his entourage. They wanted to know what it meant. So they come asking Jesus what it means. And he assures them that understanding the secrets of the kingdom of God has been granted to them. They come asking and Jesus says, hey, I want you to know that God has granted to you the ability to understand. But notice what else he says to those who are just dabbling with it and to those rejecting the secrets of the kingdom of God will stay hidden. So Jesus goes forward now to tell us what his parable means. We don't have to guess. He begins by telling us that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Well, wait a minute. Now, hold up. Before the word of God, before the seed, wasn't there a sower? Huh? Wasn't there someone sowing the seed? Didn't he come first or she come first? How come Jesus isn't talking about the sower? Why is he going directly to the seed? I'll tell you why. Truth point number two, because the identity of the sower is completely irrelevant. That's why. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.